You you would have had a chance to catch up with a few of the boys in camp. What's the feeling coming out of the uh, out of the Crusaders? Oh yeah, look, there's no doubt that I feel um, certainly like they did as well, and and what they've been uh, talking about uh, since that result is that they knew it was always going to be a difficult ask, um, but 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 not one that they couldn't um, overcome, and you know that's what what sport does, any sport does to you at times, it, you know, it bites you in the ass, and, and there's no doubt about the fact that I think the Crusaders are slightly guilty of probably uh, thinking that that game was a game that was going to be tough, but one that they will, would win. Uh, they, they probably expected it to be hot and furious and the, the Andrua to play the way that they did. But I still think that deep down they knew that they could get the job done. And pretty much, even though they were behind the eight ball for periods of that game um, after halftime, where I felt that they, even though they were they, they held the lead there for quite a proportion of the game, it felt like they they weren't the team dictating. I think it was more that the Andrua at times let them off the hook through their own mistakes or spilling the ball or not being quite accurate. Uh, whereas the Crusaders' mythology was just get down there, get in the right zone, grab our points and keep knocking them back. But... Uh, Unfortunately for the Crusaders, knocking them back didn't send them away. And they, they kept knocking on the door and they were still knocking on it on the 80th minute. Yeah, they kept on coming, man. And I think, you know, probably yeah. from um, Scott Robertson's point of view, he looked at the type five he named and went, well, if this type five do the job I think they can do, we should have enough go forward that even though our backline's a little bit underdone in terms of experience, they should be okay. Um, but maybe you know they, they they got matched up front. He maybe didn't expect that. I mean, I I wouldn't have thought for a moment they were complacent going into the game. No, and you're right. I, I, there's no way they would have been complacent. I don't think any New Zealand rugby player, including myself, who's been uh, to the islands and played either in Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, wherever it might be, goes over there thinking it's going to be a lay down Mazira and you you'll walk away with the result without putting the hard work in. Um, they're just too passionate about their rugby. And they're too passionate about New Zealand rugby and, and seeing New Zealand rugby players come into town. You know, you're inundated with photos and autographs and the love that they show New Zealand rugby players is just special. And, and it's such a great place to go anytime during your career, either playing or finishing or whatever it might be. Uh, they 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 have this great uh, respect and love for for New Zealand rugby and rugby players. So because of that, you very much know that you're you're under the spotlight. And you're in the right environment. Um, I, I certainly feel that there, there was no there was no complacency. There couldn't have been. Uh, but I guess you've also got to to realise that they've they've grown. You know, and and when when I was playing, we we knew that if we got on top in certain areas. When we played Fiji internationally, and that's you know that was my closest affiliation really. I did actually play against. Oh, what was it called? Um, I've actually got the jersey on my wall. It's not in this room. Uh, when when they combined the Pacific teams. Oh, that's at, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go down and have a look at the jerseys during a ad break. Um, and yeah, it was a hell of a battle. It was always hard. So. I think there's there's never a lack of knowing that they're going to want to try and even though they respect you, knock you over.
No, no doubt about <laughs> it. Um, you know, going back to your, you know, what you asked me the question about Ricardo, the key thing was we were very lucky to get on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run yesterday, uh, Glenn Jackson, have a chat to us and drew a coach. And what he said actually struck a chord with me, which was which was really pertinent, which was he said, I, do, I wasn't worried about that final penalty kick because I was standing with two of the, two, two, you know, I was around the area of two of the props. And I said to them, doesn't matter whether this kick goes over or not, you've done your job. And that goes all the back, all the way back to where I started this conversation is they've improved. Hmm. There was a time when that scrum went down where the Crusaders, would, and I was part of this with the All Blacks, we'd just get together and go, boys, we know that we've got a stronger scrum, just push them off their ball. Just, you know, then game over. And yet they laid the foundation for that ensuing penalty because their scrum was that good. So there's there's two sides to the coin there. There's the the, the improvement of the Fijian and Drua in an area where you could usually dictate and dominate them. And that's across the board, I think. Do you think it, uh, I mean, you know, Mick Burns and, and, and those guys have done plenty of work around the place. I, I, I believe that they, uh, they'll they know the Crons reasonably well. There's probably probably a little, <laughs> little bit of input there as well, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they probably they probably would have liked to have tapped into Jace Ryan's knowledge of, of Malls a little bit more mm. before he jumped ship to the All Blacks because obviously he was coaching Fiji um, when, when he got poached uh, because although their scrum was very good, I thought, and their line-out was good, and, and in general their kick, kick-off receipts uh, and, and, um, and their general play in most set-piece aspects was very good. Their line-out more defence was not. And, and you know, both all, th- all three of the tries that they conceded were, were quite simplistic. They really were. And any time you felt that the Crusaders got inside the 22 and, and in a position to drive, the inevitable was going to happen. And that happened to Moana Pacifica last year as well. You know, um, so that that's one area that is still of massive concern for McBurn, I would imagine, coming out of that game that, you know, they, they every time that they conceded... Um, opportunities there the Crusaders didn't find it too difficult to to get their rolling more going and, and uh, score points from it so that'll be the one area of concern for them um, it did concern me and I said it to you yesterday Ricardo that that seemed to be the only way the Crusaders apart from that try that Sevi Reese scored um, to be able to attack the game and I'm just like man you got more firepower than that what why were you so so insular, were you afraid that you were going to want, run out of fuel and you didn't want to enter into a game of sevens and you didn't want to probably open the game up? But that's when you're at your best, mm. Crusaders. I'll tell you the other thing, too, that probably didn't get talked about enough because, you know, everybody wants to give the, uh, the Fijian and Drua uh, credit, you know, not not just talk about the Crusaders. But one thing that I don't think has been highlighted enough is the loss of David Harvelli on the in the eighth minute, right? Um, yeah. Because there's a lot of talk about, well, you know, this is what the Crusaders are in for next year when Richie Mwanga goes. Is Fergus Burke up to it? Now, I don't, I don't think you can judge a player on one game, but certainly in those conditions and under that pressure, and you've got an experienced guy outside you after eight minutes disappears, um, and then that backline looks completely different. Well, it looks young, mm. is what it looks. Um, I, 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 although Braden Enor is an All Black. Um, I don't see him as being a guy that uh, is 
outspoken on the field. Um, you know, he doesn't sort of you don't see him often gesturing to bring players around him. Uh, it's probably just not his persona. So you take Richie Moonga out of the mix. You take Mitchell Drummond out of the mix, um, particularly in the latter part of the game. You know, Willie Hines has got enough experience. He's played for England internationally, so. You, you know, he's at least got some leadership there. Um, but you take a couple of those guys out of the mix and then Havili goes missing. Um, and even to a degree, no fighting in Nuku, and you've got Shea Fihaki on the wing, Maka Springer. Um, you know, Severu Reese doesn't come across mm-hmm. to me as a guy that gets everybody together and goes, hey, boys, this is what I see and this is what's going wrong. So, yeah, it, it's a valid point. When you use, lose Havili early in that match, you lose a massive amount of composure of, hey, look, they'll, they'll keep playing like this and they'll keep coming, but we've got this. Let's just stick to task. Our moments will come, and when they come, we put them away and keep pushing them back. So, yeah, the, the, the loss of uh, Havili was quite catastrophic in, in the terms of the way that the game played out because they couldn't replace his experience from the bench that they had with any more experience. You know, they brought on Dallas McLeod um, for him, but he's not played anywhere near the rugby that Havili is. 